once again, we are checking in for the To Be Determined podcast with your host, as always, 2BD. And we have a special guest with us, Fred Ginyard. How are you doing? I'm great. Great. Happy to be here. Thanks for being here with us. So, Fred, um, if you're not familiar, whenever we start out this podcast with a new guest, we always start out with two questions. And the first question, as always, is going to be, what is it that you wanted to do as a kid? Han, that's a really good question. So I always, I always wanted to be a doctor growing up. I thought I was, gonna, <laughs> I thought I was going to be a neurosurgeon, um, and that just, that that didn't work out. Neurosurgery was not was not it. <laughs> what drew you to neurosurgery? That's interesting. I honestly, I don't really know. I think when I so when I was a kid. Um, my brother and I were, we weren't like squeamish kids, right? Like we were not squeamish children. And so we used to watch medical procedures. Um, and I guess what other like little people would get like weirded out and scared. We were like, Ooh, like that looks fun. <laughs> um, and so I guess it, it, tra- so I guess watching those videos translated to fun. And I have no idea why or where we got these like films from. Um, like, I have no idea. Mm. So it was almost just like a, just an innocent childhood curiosity that kind of drove you to it. Yeah, yeah. And mind you, I grew up before, you know, the internet was like really a thing. So (laughs) I really don't know where I really got these things from. I have no clue. How far into these aspirations did you, did you make it? Um... Oh, not. I mean, I took like, you know, like health sciences in, in middle school and, and in high school, but and I was, you know, pretty good with math and science, but that's about as far as it got. Hmm. Um, I think in high school, my focus changed. Um, yeah, my, my focus changed to organizing when I was in high school. Got you, got you. And I guess that that kind of leads right into the second question, which is what is it that you do now? Oh, awesome. Perfect. Um, so currently I am the director of organizing and community engagement with the Philly Bail Fund. Um, and so what is that? Ugh. I mean, that's the title, but I guess what do I actually do? Um, so my role is all around working with community members, folks that we bail out, um, and supporting them to develop um, strategic direct action campaigns that end cash bail in our city. So that that's right, and and that looks a million different ways, which is also kind of why I love organizing the work that I do, is just because it's never the same two days in a row. Um, and so it can look like me planning a game night as a recruitment tool to like meeting with elected officials to protest to doing podcasts um right so there's all these different things that organizing is and so that's that's part of what i love about it right like there's there's so many things that you get to do and so many ways to be creative um while doing organizing work that 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 really kind of keeps me in the field of it Mm. um what was it that originally brought you into the fight for um the issue of cash bail um so originally so i used to work for the library 
Um, so I, I've been doing community organizing since I was 13. Um, and I did some work in New York and took a break and worked at the library doing community organizing. And um, the work in the library just, it didn't really like feed my soul. Um, and also the library was riddled with a lot of racism. And, um, and so me and a bunch of workers started to organize. And I think that organizing around like something that was like directly impactful and really meaningful in the library system made me want to kind of get back into more political um, policy-based organizing work. Um, and so I started looking for a role and I saw the Philly Bail Fund and I was, and, and, um, and what's interesting, right, is like I've done criminal justice work before. So I've done like police brutality and um, all those, that kind of work and stop and frisk and really looking at what that means and the impacts of like policing on homelessness um, and on like LGBTQ folk. But never did I really think about beyond that moment, right? Like I knew there were folk who were doing that work and, you know, allies and comrades and, and, and supporting that work, but never like thought about that work for myself until I saw the posting for the bail fund, um, which really excited me. Um, because it was an opportunity to, one, engage the criminal justice work in a, in a new way. Um, and at a point where um, freedom is really taken away and denied from people, right? And so we're really thinking about how are we freeing people in that moment? Um, it's part of what it was made it really exciting for me and part of what drew me to it. Mm. Um, I, I was curious to speak to to you just because you know from analyzing the overarching issue of you know mass incarceration and all the problems that we have with the criminal justice or criminal legal system that we have in this country um an issue like bail and cash bail is something that you know on the face of it it's like yeah it's it sucks you got to have the amount of money to get yourself out but when you look deeper into it it's like we don't really think about the bail system as, oh, these are people that haven't even had a chance, um, for the most part, haven't even had a chance to plead their innocence. These, if this is a system that is supposed to assume innocence um, prior, why is it that the all these people that have enough money to bail themselves out can just go home and sit at home and be perfectly fine while the rest of society while the rest of everyone else if they can't afford it they just have to sit and that's just they're treated as if the the assumption is not of innocence in the be from the beginning from beforehand and so with something like cash bail an issue that's not necessarily in the forefront um as it is with the other issues of mass incarceration how how is it like um explaining that to people and getting people to understand um how big of an issue it is um so funny enough so one of the first things that i did when i got hired with the bail fund is we did a community survey um focused in five zip codes right so the zip codes that were the most disproportionately impacted by cash bail um so we looked at the 19120 zip code 19124 19134, 19140, and 19143. Um, and so it was funny, right? So a lot of people, when you ask them like what is cat what cash bail is, a lot of people it was it was weird, right? Some people would be like, 
oh, I know what that is. And then you talk to them and it's like, actually, you really don't know what this is. Mm. Um, so it's like, let's let's break this down, right? Um, or people's understanding of cash bail is that it's a system that creates community safety because it locks up the criminals. Um, it locks up people who have committed a crime. And then we would, and then part of what we say to folk is, except that they haven't been found guilty of a crime, so technically no crime has been committed. Mm. And then they go, wait a minute, what you mean? Right? And so then it leads us into this conversation where then we, we we're talking about, right, like this person, somebody accused this person of a crime, the cops arrested them, they haven't talked, they didn't speak to a lawyer, no one else, and then they sit before a magistrate who may or may not have a law degree, and this person then determines whether or not you can be free or under what conditions you, you can be free, right? Like, whether they're going to give you a cash bail, if they're just going to release you, or they're going to give you a sign-on bond, like, and so then people, and as we started to have this conversation with people, people started to be like, wait a minute, that that don't seem right, right? And then we, and, and part of what folks also didn't really understand, right, is like the idea of like, if you have money, you go free. If you don't, you sit in jail. Right? And so it creates this system where we're punishing poverty and, and it has nothing to do with guilt or innocence, right? If you go to a bail hearing, the first, one of the first things that a magistrate says is that this hearing is not to determine your guilt or innocence. So if you listen to how they talk, when it, when it, <laughs> When magistrates take the time to maybe ask a question or two, um, they are attempting to determine guilt or innocence or worthiness of freedom, which is like, who are you to make this decision? Mm. Most definitely. Um, now you said through those different zip codes in the city that you named, these were surveys that you had taken? Yeah, so we did a community survey. So we released the reports um, at the beginning of last year. Um, and I, I'm looking for the name right now. <laughs> oh, that's way bad of me. Um, I definitely should know the name of this report since I like <laughs> co-wrote it. Um, so many things slip my mind. Um, so there, are the the name of the report is um, it's ransom and freedom ending cash bail in Philadelphia. Um, and so folks can actually go to our website, uh, org and actually um, check out the actual report around what we learned in terms of cash bail, right? Um, and also part of the conversation that we had with folks, right, was like, what do you think is most important? Like, where should we sp be spending our money? What do you think creates community safety, right? And so thinking about things like mental health services and additional recovery services and engaging young people with programs and all these types of things. Um, and so, yeah, so it was, it was actually a really dope report and a really dope conversation that we got to have with community. Mm. Um, were there any responses or general like overarching responses that stick out to you in particular? Um, that's a good question. Um, 
Hmm. I don't think, you know, it didn't necessarily, like, stick out to me. Um, or, you know, maybe it did, actually. Um, I think, you know, the, the number of people who said they had um, little to no knowledge of cash bail, mm. right, more than, you know, 39% of folk had little to no knowledge of the cash bail system. And part of what we've realized, right, in that conversation where um, folk would talk about like having some knowledge or a lot of knowledge that folk actually didn't understand cash bail, right? Like, I think that's something that we actually really understood um, the more that we talked with people. And even now, right, like we run a bail one-on-one training where, you know, we're educating community members on, and it's a two-hour training, so it's not super in-depth, but at least giving folks some basic information around what cash bail is and how it runs in our city or how it impacts our communities. And people are always shocked to understand, like, what's ha- like how bad it actually is um and then i think you know 66 percent of people believe that cash bail wasn't fair which i mean was we was good but you know was definitely hoping for a little bit higher um yeah yeah i mean I, I don't think there was anything in there that i think shocked me um so much as like re- was very reaffirming right like People don't think this actually makes it, 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 it safe. Um, and granted, we did a small sampling of people, right? So it wasn't necessarily the entire city. And we primarily focused on those five zip codes just because of, of um, what we learned from our data space of the dockets and just the impacts. But like, I think if we, you know, did something larger across the city, I think we would see, we'd probably see something higher in terms of people who don't believe that cash makes our community safer. Mm. Yeah, totally. And um, just tapping back to what you said about the statistics, if, you know, around 66% of them said they didn't understand the system of cash bail. Um, and these are the zip codes um, that are that are most affected. It, it comes down to like, you know, they don't understand the system that is targeting them. And if they don't have the funds to get out, um, your first interaction with this cash bail system that you don't even know um, how it works. Um, it's like it's already stacked against you. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, it, I mean, honestly, like I, watching bail hearings and watching folk go through this system is demoralizing. Um, it, it's dehumanizing. Um, like it's, it's actually like it's it's really it's horrible right because sometimes like you will be in these hearings and you're literally watching someone beg for their freedom beg for access to medication that could save their life begging for help and these folks don't care right it's like you know the district attorney is going to request a million dollar bail um the magistrate may set it at you know fifty thousand or a hundred thousand or or, you know, or there's one magistrate, Laura Connor, who likes to threaten people, right? Like, she literally threatens almost every single person who comes before her with, uh, if, if she sees them again, that they're going to have a bail that's so high, it will mm. be cash, and they will not get out because she will know that they didn't listen to her. Like, she's God Almighty, and, and, and we, she, we have to listen to her. That's despicable. Yeah, I mean, it's 
it's but she has the autonomy they all have the autonomy to make these decisions and there's no real accountability for them right which i mean there's about to be that's where we come in Hmm. (laughs) and our organizing work comes in but as of like you know beyond that right there's no accountability for magistrates and what they do and it's been so hidden that most community members don't know about it, right? Like, most folks don't know that bail hearings are open to the public, that anyone can go and watch a hearing. At any time that hearings are taking place, I mean, I, please call the arraignment office just to make sure you know what time is happening because they move it. They like to move things around. Um, but, like, literally, like, anybody can go and watch it. It's, the, the room is in the basement, right? So it's not even upstairs. Like, it's in the basement. This room is so like, is dingy. Is is like it, it? It yo, I don't know. Like when I walk into that room, I feel like my soul like it saps the energy out my soul. Mm. Uh, like it is not a nice place to be in. It's open to the public, but it's not open to the public, basically. No, I mean, yes, right. Like you definitely um, have to know how to maneuver and make sure you have the contact information for arraignments to call. Um, to get in because like they'll tell you that arraignments happen every four hours they don't <clears throat> they don't it's not even an approximate every four hours um yeah you definitely gotta you definitely gotta call but i mean we have a bail watch program so folks can always reach out to us to, to come bail watch and learn how to bail watch that's good though that's that helps um that helps bring transparency to it most definitely. Um, now, we had spoken a little bit briefly before the podcast about um, the other bail fund in the city, the community bail fund. Um, just between the two of your organizations and understanding, you know, all the different zip codes in the city that you named, um, how important is the issue of cash bail in the city of Philadelphia specifically? And... Um, where that kind of leads your work yeah i mean it's huge right like cash bail is about it's it's locking innocent people up behind bars right like um you know i looked at the the prison snapshot for december of 2022 um and 2018 people were in jail on cash bail 2018 individuals are stuck in a jail cell because they can't afford to come because they can't afford to buy their freedom. Right. Because we have criminalized poverty. Like it's mind boggling that Mm. 2018 people are sitting in a jail cell. Right. And I think, you know, a lot of people oftentimes will be like, that's not me. Everybody's one bad decision away. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, one bad decision away or somebody just accuses you of doing something or you fit the like and predominantly you know the people who are predominantly impacted by you know our cash bail system are black and brown folk right so we always fit in somebody's description Mm. you know what i mean and so especially i think for black and brown folk right like is it's essential that we understand that system that we end cash bail in this city because it's impacting our communities the most right like 
when we talk, they, you know, people love to talk about the destabilization of like the inner city and like black people don't care, but like we don't talk about these, the destabilization of families and how the criminal justice system is snatching mothers and fathers, brothers and sisters out of our community, right? And now, and, and literally holding innocent people in jail. Hmm. Just again, just because for poverty, right? Like this is such an important issue to this city. Um, and I think for us as a bail fund, you know, part of the work that we do, right, is all around definitely doing a lot of public education and letting the community know, you know, what's happening, that, that these things are happening and that, you know, we ain't got to take it, right? Like, we don't have to sit here and accept that cash well is the reality of a system, right? Like, we don't have to, we don't have to accept that system, right? We can end that practice. Um, and we will end that practice, right, in terms of our work. Mm. Um, there was a, a poignant point that you made earlier when you said that, you know, we could all be one bad decision away from this affecting us. And I think people don't really put themselves in the shoes of those affected by it when they think about it. They're like, it's, it couldn't happen to me. But when you, when you look through the layers of everything, it may not even be something that you did directly, but it's like, it's a system where cash bail doesn't just affect the person who's sitting in jail. It no. affects them, the people close to them, their family, their friends. And it's, it's like an entire ecosystem that gets affected when someone gets incarcerated or removed. So it's like, you may not be able to picture yourself having done this, but then how does that, how does that affect that person's family? How does that affect the head of the household or the people who run the household? How does that affect their children? How does it affect the entire ecosystem of a community and what that can, that decision or that act of locking someone up can then trickle down and have multiple effects on how the rest of that community and their family scrambles and struggles to, to support themselves while also supporting someone um, who's hasn't even gotten their chance. And when you say, you know, we're one bad decision away from it, that that's even before you analyze it from the point of they might ev not even have done that bad decision. They could have just been in the wrong place at the wrong time, as we've seen so often with, like you said, people that look like us. No, absolutely. You know, I mean, I think people forget, right? Like, when we talk about, like, you know, cash, well, like, people are nine times more likely to take a plea deal. And a plea deal gives you a criminal record, right? That criminal record then impacts your ability to for employment, housing, custody of your children, right? I mean, granted, you know, just being in jail on bail also has the same effect, right? It has the same impact, right? Like, um, part of why our, our bail fund focused on the first 72 hours of arrest is because Within that time frame, people lose access to their homes. They lose access to their children, their jobs, their cars, their lives, right? Like, we're talking COVID now, right? And and, and the conditions of some jails, right? Like, 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 <laughs> like, like for real, like, the, the conditions of these jails, which is disgusting and, and inhumane and, like... Like, they've had to pay us a fine, right? Like, they have to pay, they have given us money twice because of the conditions of these jails, and they're not willing to let these folk go when they don't need to be there. 
Mm. Right? Like, like it's, it's mind-boggling what this system does to people, right? Like, cash bail is shackles people's criminal records. People, it completely ruins people's lives. Um, it, at, at points, kills people, right? People who are stuck inside of these jail cells. Like, it, it, it's like, and it's, it's such a simple and easy fix not to lock up innocent people. Right, right, like you would think, like common sense would tell us, right? Like if we are a belief of, you know, folk are innocent until they're proven guilty, no um, cruel and unusual punishment. It, it, I don't know, like these things just—I it, it, don't know if they don't line up, right? Like, it doesn't make sense why we have a system that is doing this if these are supposed to be like primary principles and beliefs of, of our system. Mm. And when it becomes something that uproots someone's life and you, you, you were saying something about, you know, plea deals and how people end up taking plea deals. And it's like because it's something that becomes more palatable to just take the plea deal and proceed forward than it is to wait and wait and spend money and money that you already don't have. Um, just to prove that you didn't do something that you might not have even done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's it's ridiculous. Um, now, originally, um, I became aware of some of your work over the, the holidays, over the holiday season, um, and I had seen that the Bail Fund had hosted a... Um, a 24-hour bailout um, prior to the holidays. Um, what was the response by the those recent bailouts over the holiday break? Um, I guess who, whose response? In general, f- from the the people you were able to bail out, from the families, is was there anyone that reached out to you and just just expressed gratitude? Um. I mean, honestly, I think anytime we bail someone out, there's gratitude and appreciation for um, for what we do, right? I mean, first and foremost, you know, <laughs> I, I'm not the person who makes, our, who makes the bail calls to families, but, you know, part of um, what's hard, right, is, is getting folks to believe that we're not pranking them, right? Like, that we're not bail bondsmen, that we're not, you know, mm. we're not this predatory, you know, for-profit, organization that is going to come after them it all like it, it, we have to really convince people that like you know we're not profit charity like this is what we we're literally built to do this um and so i think once folk realize you know what we do i think people are so appreciative um and 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 you know i mean all the people will be like what can we do um and you know part of we have like this organizing arms for our work, right? And we, we do um, post-release supports, but what we, we like to tell folks, right? Like is post-release supports, organizing, like these things aren't conditions, like these are not conditions of us bailing someone out, right? Like if we bail you out, you do not have to come do any of those, any of those things, right? Um, but people like to come and volunteer and do those things with us, which, you know, we are super happy to have and to be working with our leaders uh, and their families, right? Because it's not just the specific people we bailed out, right? We work with their families too. Um, 
And so, I mean, that that's, it's amazing, right? And I think there is so much joy in this work, right? Like, I know I thought we talked about all the, like, really horrible and all the negative stuff um, that this system does, but in working and building community with folk who've been impacted, um, you know, we, there's so much joy that we have when we can bring folk together, um, which also, I think, you know, is part of what keeps us doing the work, too. I think that's a that's a real snapshot of the the difficulties of navigating the system, um, like what you expressed with, you know, the fact that when you make these calls, um, you have to contend with the fact that people don't expect to hear that news. They expect um, the worst. They expect bail bondsmen. They expect people looking to just exploit them in in those ways. And it's like you have to fight to even bring them that good news to even uh to it's it's like it's so unbelievable mm-hmm. no absolutely um from your perspective what is the what does the pre-trial procedure look like you know in in philadelphia um county with the the removal of of cash bail, what would something, what would a different alternative system look like? Because, you know, when we talk about cash bail, um, there's often many detractors that say, you know, what else, what's, what's the alternative? We can't just have criminals running free. And what, what does it look like from your perspective um, as someone who works in the field? Yeah, that's not my job. Uh, (laughs) No, no, no. So, so here's the reality, right? Like, I don't work for the criminal justice system. I do not want to work for the criminal justice system. I am not about to sit here and figure out how to detain people or lock people up. That is not my job, right? Uh, my job is to hold a system accountable for its lack of of transparency, for its lack of justice, for its lack of, of for its unequal treatment of black and brown people, for the disproportionate impacts uh, and, and the hurt and harm that the system causes, right? Like, that's, that's my job, right? And to hold this system accountable to ensure that when they attempt to create some the next thing, that it's not something that complete, that's only detaining people and locking people up behind bars, right? Like, no, they need to figure that out, right? Like, this is the government's job to figure out how to govern. It is not us, right? In, this, in the sense of, like, telling them yes or no, right? Like, this potentially could work or that doesn't work, right? Um at one point in time, and, and you know, it's funny. So as an organizer, I've I've used both strategies where you know you do the work of coming up with what you want the city to be, right? Of dreaming and creating this vision, um, and then fighting for that vision, right? And fighting for the implementation of that vision, and at the same time, you know, calling your system to task to be like actually you need to figure this out right like this is your responsibility and and in this right like i mean i ain't got a lot of faith in the system actually i have no faith in the system right (laughs) like i have no faith in the system but at the same time that's their responsibility right like the judges like y'all are elected to create a fair and just system in this city right like the judges is elected, the DA is elected, right? Like, y'all are elected to create that system. It's not my job to do that for you. Do your job, right? Like, 
y'all need to do your jobs and create a system that is not locking innocent people up, that's not punishing poverty, that isn't, you know, racist and homophobic and xenophobic and Islamophobic. Like, that's your job. Mm-hmm. Y'all need to do it. And it's almost like looking at the existence of, you know, the Philadelphia Bail Fund or the Community Bail Fund or organizations that do this work um, is a testament of them not doing their job or is a testament of the system failing itself. Because like you said, it's not your job to figure out the alternative. It's your job to get these people out of jail and so if if it were working properly there wouldn't be these issues where people are being criminalized just because they can't afford it well no right so so no 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 the system works exactly the way it's supposed to right like this this system was built on the backs of black slaves this system was built to dehumanize black and brown people and prioritize you know white people and white privilege like the system does that right like it it does what it was designed to do right like all the way from the founding fathers up until this point um i think we are at a place where we're we're saying we're tired of the system that you've created like this system doesn't work for us well it may work for you it doesn't work for us Mm -hmm. right and we are citizens of this country um whether you know i mean we're on stolen land but like we're here, right? And in in this society and in this system that we are a part of, that we're equals in, you you need to rectify yourself, right? Like you need to ensure that the that this criminal justice system is doing what is what we need it to do, right? Not necessarily what it's supposed to do, because it's already doing that. We need a justice system that does what we need it to do, right? Um, in creating accountability and safety and all of these things. Right? No one is denying that we we need something that does that but it's not this system right it's not these jails it's not this this you know horrible these horrible judges and the way that they make these decisions with that that they make unilaterally with no real oversight and and all these like no 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 no, no. that's not the system right um and so they need to figure out a system that doesn't do that and i think for me um, and the bail fund, like part of our job, right, is ending cash bail, right? That that's who we are as an organization, right? That is our our focus. It's really on that mission of ending cash bail. Um, and then, you know, once we end cash bail, I think we then, as an organization, we'll have a conversation around what happens next um, in terms of you know our existence. We, you know, do we shift? Do we grow? Do we change? Um, once we end cash bail, and then you know, it then becomes you know community organizing's responsibility to then hold the system accountable to creating a system that works for us. Mm. Um, in the meantime, what can people who may just be hearing about, you know, the the bail fund and the work that you do for the first time and the the overarching issues with the system of cash bail in the city, uh, what can people who are listening um, do to help or become more um, aware of these issues. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, first and foremost, I always tell people, even, even the leaders that I work with, like, 
police aren't allowed me to be your sole source of information, right? Like, there are many reports, there are many studies that, that are out there that exist. Please go read them, right? Um, there are bail, there are bail funds across this country. Um, it, there's a bail fund in almost every single state. No, I think there's a bail fund in every state, actually. Um, in this country, reach out, reach out, right? See who's in your local community. Um, I think if you're in Philadelphia, right, please feel free to reach out, right? So, um, you can reach us out, reach us, you can reach us on social media. Um, we're on, you know, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Um, we have our website where you can also reach out to me on our website. Um, if you want to volunteer or get involved, um, yeah, I mean, reach out, follow me. Uh, you know, I, I'm around. I like talking to people. <laughs> Even on TikTok, there's no excuse not to, not to learn. Yeah, I mean, look. So we we post, you know, um, a ton. We post tons of videos around what's happening on TikTok, on our Instagram. Um, you know, our our leaders have done, you know, have told their stories, right? So we have some of their stories that are coming up. Or that we're that we're posting on um, social media. Um, oh, we actually have a whole video that talks about just kind of cash bail in Philadelphia um, and just like its impacts um, on the city. Um, oh, you know what? And I think the other thing that's really important to say, I think that blows people's minds, um, is that in 2021, so we don't have the numbers for last year yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but in 2021, there was $1.5 billion of cash bail set in the city. And actually, we could probably, it was 1.58, so we can actually round it up to $1.6 billion worth of cash bail set on, mm-hmm. on people in the city. Like, ridiculous numbers. So, please feel free to hit us up. Please feel free to get involved. Um, there's tons of ways to engage with us. $1.5 I hope I hope it went somewhere useful. Uh, no, it, that, that is, no, it didn't. Cause and so that's the thing, right? So, um, of that one point five billion, our community spent twenty one million dollars to free their loved ones. Mm. Right, twenty one million dollars, and then even if you look at it right, and you go, in order to you know free someone in a city, you have to pay ten percent, right? Um, and so ten percent of one point five billion. Um, is $150 million, right? Our communities were able to pay $21 million. No, not Nowhere near enough, not even half. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, it's ri- like ridiculous numbers. Mm. <clears throat> yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, Fred, I want to, I want to thank you once again for, um, joining me on the to be determined podcast is there um anything else you wanted to leave for listeners before we wrap up um i you know the only thing i can say is like get involved right like get involved and i mean even if you don't get involved with the philly bail fund there's the philadelphia community bail fund which is another organization that we love um but like get involved like if you're hearing this, you can no longer fake, like, ignorance, right? Like, you are no longer ignorant to the issue. Now you know that the issue exists. 
time to do something about it. Mm, for sure. Um, and I want to thank everyone listening out there. Thank you once again for listening to the 2BD podcast. What comes next, as always, is to be determined. We're out of here. Thank you.